Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Our topic today is a federal agency that I won't even say is not working right. It's not working at all right now, at a time when it's supposed to be the busiest, and you're still paying a lot of tax money to support it while all the work just stacks up. It's the Federal Election Commission. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Joining me once again is investigative producer Daniel Steinberger. And one of my favorite kinds of stories to do is a story like this where really I didn't know all the answers. I didn't know a lot about how the Federal Election Commission worked. I didn't know why it was supposedly dysfunctional, and it was really interesting. Yeah, great to be with you again. This is the... Best podcast there is, right? The fastest growing. Fastest growing, that's right. anything bigger than zero is growing fast. I love this podcast. Um, yeah, no, I learned a ton, too. Um, I don't think most – I certainly didn't know really what they did. The Federal Elections Commission, you kind of know they oversee something to do with the elections, but we really learned a lot. Um, we learned what they do, um, which you want to tell everybody what they do? Well, yeah, but I was going to first say maybe the reason people care more than anything else – this struck me was we're paying $70 million a year for a federal agency that is not functioning right now. And that kind of made me go, wow, you know, there's there's something we ought to look into. So yes, go ahead and describe in very general terms what it is they do. They enforce the campaign finance laws that are on the books. Um, and as one person we talked to, um, you know, her name is Meredith McGee. She, she's a watchdog group. It's really the corruption laws and the anti-corruption laws, and, the, and so those are the those are the laws that they enforce. Um, and they're I think the one big problem right now is they don't have a quorum, uh, which means they have to have. There's normally six members on the Federal Election Commission. There's three Democrats and three Republicans, and they're down to just three. Um, and and so without uh, and and you have to have four. To, to have a quorum in, in order to, to look at cases and decide things and investigate things, um, so, and they don't have that. So here's the problem or part of the problem. In the height of campaign 2020, with both parties knowing and their lawyers knowing there's nobody currently 
processing these cases. They're kind of getting backlogged because there's no quorum, like Daniel said. That means, theoretically, they could skirt the law or push the line or do something that were the FEC active. The FEC might say, no, you probably shouldn't do that. They can just do it now. And this may be, I mean, in the past, this has impacted alleged incidents of foreigners illegally contributing to campaigns to influence elections. It's been all kinds of violations of rules of things they're supposed to follow so that we know who's funding them and we know who's paying for an ad. All these violations could take place. And yes, maybe down the road, they will be handled when this is all sorted out. But the parties will have already gotten the benefit of the allegedly illegal or improper activity during 2020. So it'll be worth it in some instances. That was honestly one of the the most interesting points that I think I learned as part of this. Um, We talked to, in in doing our reporting, we talked to two former FEC commissioners. um, And one of them told us that the lawyers on on all the campaigns uh, know all this. And and so they they know they can violate the law and nothing's going to happen. And that, to me, was stunning to hear that. Now, let's get into, without boring people too much, but a little bit about the design of the FEC, which was created after the Watergate-type stuff going on in the 70s, to try to bring some authenticity and honesty back into politics, I guess you could say. And from the way it's been described to us, um, there was a lead Republican that wanted a board for the FEC maybe a five-member board so that there would be a majority, whoever, I guess, was the majority party or who was in the president's, you know, in the White House, would pick three of the members and the other would have two. And that's how most federal agencies work, so that decisions can be made, majority decisions can be made, usually along the lines of whoever's running the show in Washington at the time, whichever party. But, so the story goes, a very powerful Democrat in Congress did not want that, and supposedly, by design, wanted this to be a fairly toothless agency and insisted on a 3-3 makeup where they would constantly tie Democrats and Republicans because each party would get three members and that would ensure sort of a inactivity or not a terribly robust enforcement environment. Is that your understanding when we were Yeah, talking? I think that's, I think you've explained it really well and really clearly. Um, and and so they've kind of been going through this, um, pr- I guess, process or trying to figure out now. Um, they're, they're, as I said before, there are three. There are only three sitting commissioners. And the other interesting thing about those three, they've all all their ter- official terms have all expired. Which I is, think way back in two thousand seven. Yeah, I think for the chairwoman right now, the current chairwoman. So she shouldn't even be on the board. Her term expired in two thousand seven. It's two thousand. It's 2020, y'all. I mean, this is really incredible that they're down three they're members, down three and the and ones there have terms expired. that have expired, and then they have no business that they can conduct. They also get nominated um, by the president in pairs, or, or that's the way it's been done traditionally. You mean one Democrat, one, one Republican? Yeah, one Democrat, one Republican, and they kind of agree to it, the Senate majority leader and the Senate minority leader, who now So the are, lead Democrat and the lead Republican in right, the Senate. Who now is Democrat Chuck Schumer, who is the lead minority leader, and the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, who is a Republican. They basically agree to uh, agree on one or two, um, and they, send, they agree to them, and they send it to the, to the president, um, who will officially nominate the person. And then they have to be confirmed in the Senate. Right. They get a hearing, and then they're confirmed. Um, and... 
that's so it's kind of a lot of people are responsible for this paralysis, um, and that and that process hasn't been going on the last few years at all. So, as Daniel said, I mean they've there have been some I guess half-hearted attempts. I mean the conclusion that I come to is they don't want a quorum, meaning both parties, because there would be ways to have stopped this stalemate in the in recent times if they really wanted to end it. But the half-hearted attempts, President Trump three times now, fourth time since 2017, has um, put forth a Republican name that the Republican leader in the Senate hasn't acted on. So Mitch McConnell hasn't called a hearing to confirm this name, although President Trump recently put him in for a fourth time. And then I believe the Democrats put in a name last summer that President Trump then didn't nominate. So all these parts have to work together to actually get someone who sits on the board, and the pieces are not coming together. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of this was also happening um, under the Obama, towards the end of the Obama administration as well. Um, so, you know, this was, a, this was a problem that kind of has gone on for, through two administrations. Okay, let's tell them about two cases which I highlighted in a story that we're going to be airing on full measure. Um, again, what's the date? This will be this coming Sunday. It's now Friday when we're recording this. So this is uh, Sunday the 8th. Sunday the 8th of March. You can go to fullmeasure.news afternoon or so and watch the story we're doing on all of this if you're interested. But I briefly highlighted two cases so you can see the kinds of things the FEC does do when it's up and running. Um, I will do the Republican side, I guess, first, and then you can do the Democrat. On the Republican side, the FEC issued $940,000 in fines after foreign interference in the 2016 campaign when a Chinese couple made improper donations to a super PAC that supported Jeb Bush. And then, um, and then another big case um, for them was uh, the FEC made um, uh, a group that spent tens of millions of dollars trying to get John Kerry elected president in 2004. A Democrat. Right. Was fined $775,000 um, in a settlement over illegal handling of those contributions. So those are just, I think, two just high-end examples of some of the, the things that they look at. But back to what some say is dysfunction, in both of those cases, those fines only came way after the fact when the parties had received the benefit of the alleged illegal activity. So in other words, it's sort of sometimes maybe worth it if you know that the worst that's going to happen is down the road, I'll have to pay some money in a fine, you know, when you're in the desperation or the moment of the election. Um, some other things the FEC has been responsible for in the past, you know those little, I don't know if it's called a disclaimer, I guess a disclosure at the end of a political ad that says, I'm so-and-so and I approve this ad. That's required, that's sort of a transparency move that's required as a result of something the Federal Election Commission said ought to be done. Yeah, and the other thing that um, I also thought was interesting in reporting this story out, we sent one of our cameras um, for our television story to the FEC, and they let us in into their hearing room, and it literally is just, like, sitting there empty. Um, and it's brand new, like, in the last year or two. They moved to this really nice facility, um, you know, brand-new chairs and everything, and it just it sits there empty. Just more taxpayer money. Um, and I will say, in, in the interest of fairness, while it does look very dysfunctional to me, 
And we spoke to, as you said, Meredith McGeehy of Issue One, a watchdog group. They've done a report called Busted and Broke, talking about the FEC. And we spoke to a former commissioner, Ann Ravel, who said she's a Democrat, that the Republicans were not doing right when she was on the board, and they were making a lot of partisan decisions. But we also spoke to a Republican, former Republican member, Lee Goodman, and he argues it's the other way around. The Democrats were being partisan. And he argues that this 3-3 split, when they actually have all the members filled, all the positions filled, is, I think he called it a prudential feature of the FEC, not something to be criticized, but he says that's proof of how bad things could be if, if it was more of a 3-2 vote, if there were only five members, for example. You would always have, he says, the ruling political party squashing the other one down. And this way, yes, there is some inaction and there are ties, but he thinks that's actually a good feature of the design. Yeah, he, he didn't think it was really dysfunctional. I guess well, he, ad- he admitted that the fact that they cannot even operate right. now is dysfunctional, but then, yes, he said right. but that's not because of how it was designed. That's, that's just part of how the politicians are handling it. Right. I, I think... And I think he the other thing that I think I thought was interesting on from his point of view um, was that he's saying that it really isn't dysfunctional and that part of it. Um, so you know we learned about that side too. I think there's there are two sides to this story. So I, I, I don't know. I think people will find this somewhat interesting, and we try to in our TV story do it in a really interesting way, hearing from different sides. But again, my takeaway, seventy million dollars a year for yet another federal agency that is actually doing absolutely nothing in terms of anything with teeth. There's staff. They're still going to work. They're still being paid, but they can't do the job that they were designed to do. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, leave a comment, like it, share it with your friends, and consider subscribing to the Cheryl Atkinson podcast and Full Measure After Hours. Those are two of my podcasts. You can listen to them on iTunes or your favorite distributor or visit CherylAckeson.com and just look at the podcast tab. You can listen to them right there. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Thanks for listening.